This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. Ah, uh, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? <laughs> Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up the couch. It's the Labia Lounge. Hello, all you labial love bugs. Welcome back to another epi of the Labia Lounge. I have, oh, fuck it, I've done it again. I forgot to ask how to pronounce my guest's name. So, I'm thinking it's Laura, but there's a couple of those little dots above the U. So can you please tell me how to pronounce your name, my darling? You got it, Laura. Yes, Laura Hall. Oh, okay. Easy, easy. I was like, oh, no, what if it's Lara? Or And I've literally got in bold and italics at the top of my notes, check how to pronounce her name. <laughs> and I always forget. Anyway, I've got Laura Hollick, who is an award-winning artist and visionary guide. She's the creator of the Yoni Art Certification and the Soul Art Certification. And after walking 10,000 kilometers on a vision quest, Laura clarified her purpose and dove into realizing it. She founded Soul Art Studio Inc., a business devoted to circulating love around the planet with creative inspiration. Laura's art and insights inspire audiences around the world with her global art events like Yoni Art Fest, International Soul Art Day, and Global Vision Quest. She's even had a documentary created about her, and she's done a TEDx talk called You Are the Art. So welcome, Laura. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to be in the Labia Lounge. <laughs> so I um I've recently become acquainted with Laura through the aforementioned Yoni Art Fest which I've just um yeah I've just been part of did an interview the other day and we just had such juicy kind of in-depth conversations and you were such a great uh interviewer and I thought oh I reckon we could have some good chats on my podcast um and maybe talk a little bit about what this Yoni Art Fest is as well, because that's coming up, isn't it? It is. Yep. June 5th to 9th. And I'm so grateful you've, you are one of the speakers and featured guests in Yoni Art Fest. We've got like beautiful lineup of women and there's one guy as well speaking, which is <laughs> always fascinating. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So. I guess I'm curious because, and I'd love to, I've, I really want to delve into like the link between creativity and sensuality, sexuality, our pussies, our yonis, whatever you want to call them. Um, 
but I'm really curious about your journey with it and and your relationship to your yoni because you've obviously created a whole festival around yoni art. Um, and so I'm just wondering if you could give us a bit of bit of the down low on what brought you to this space where you're focusing um, your art on this part of the body and and bringing in sensuality and femininity into your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So my journey started as an artist first. And even that in itself is a bit of a story. And I'll just share a little bit so it can kind of lead it into how did I get into all the Yoni art stuff. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I was very disconnected, very disembodied, and didn't mm-hmm. feel like I really belonged in my family and in the space that I was in. And so what I did to deal with this, it was very painful, but I don't even know if I would say it was painful. I just kind of was a bit numbed out to it all. And I would retreat into my imagination. And in that process, I started to feel like my imagination was my home. I felt comfortable there. I felt like I could, my body would relax when I would go into my imagination. And I would see all these worlds and just beautiful realities. And I felt like in this reality, I was beautiful and I was loved and I was cherished and I loved and I cherished the space that I was in. And as I was growing up, I was introduced to art. And I remember when I first was exposed to art and I remember thinking to myself like, oh my, you mean you can make your imagination real? Because to me, that meant I could make a home for myself. Like I could, I could be here in this world because I could make something. And so my journey, I just, I went like total passion wild into making art. And because I was super creative, like that was just like, it was just pouring out of me like a waterfall, so much art. And people started approaching me asking me questions. This is, you know, I go on high school, then university and beyond. And people were asking me about sexuality. And I was very confused because I didn't really understand why are you asking me? And they're like, well, you're so creative. Like you're so fertile and, and creative and so inspired and passionate. And so it's like, isn't like, isn't that like sexual energy? And I, I had never really thought of it like that, honestly. But so my journey was like as an artist, but then I was introduced to sexuality because I started being asked to actually speak at different events. (laughs) This is how crazy it is. People were asking me to speak about it. And so I would always speak about creative energy, which is like life force energy. And life force energy is sexual energy. Now, I... At a certain point, I really started to explore sort of the difference, you know, like creative energy to me, I always thought I felt it and experienced it as a divine love affair. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, like a spiritual sexuality in a way. Creativity to me is like a Mm -hmm. spiritual sexuality where there is a passion, there's an aliveness, there's a turn on, there's desire, there's birth, there's realizations, there's like all this flow. But then their sexuality is, is actually similar. There's ways that it's similar, but it's also very different. The similarity is that it is life force energy. 
there is like a gush of something that moves through you. There's an intelligence to this life force energy. It's moving through. It is creative. It's creation energy. But when I'm making art, there's like a spiritual lovemaking happening in that process. And I started to do a lot of learning and research and embodied experiencing around more of the primal aspect of life force energy, which I think of as sexual energies, more of the the primal intelligence, Mm. whereas art to me is more of a, like a spiritual intelligence. And so I went into a deep dive and in that process, starting to understand why I was disembodied as a kid, why I felt awkward in my body and really starting to stitch back together my connection with my primal self. So all that energy that I had naturally with the art and the creativity could also come into my body and the way that I express myself and the way that I could be in my body. And it drastically changed my art, actually. My art really became more about my own embodiment. And I started doing tons and tons of photo shoots and very elaborate, creative embodiment Mm. uh, things, traveling around the world, doing different photo shoots. But it really became more like, I was the art, my own being in my mm. body, expressing through my body became the art form. So when I think about creative energy, I think, yes, it's life force, but it's it's of a spiritual, there's a spiritual nature for me and my experience with it. And sexual energy, there's a primal intelligence to that life force energy. And so it, our body understands it, our you know, our naturalness, our wildness, when we get into more of an earthy kind of space or energetics, there's, we can tap into that primal intelligence. Mm, yeah, so cool. Oh, and your, yeah, your artwork, like I've, when you were talking about the photo shoots and getting getting your actual body involved in the art as well, like some of that is just the most exquisite stuff I've ever seen and I I was showing my partner the other day I was like scrolling through your Instagram just like look at this shit look at all these colors it's amazing like it's exactly the kind of I'm I'm a I'm a massive color slut like I just get around Mm. any kind of bright colors and I love it so yeah that's really cool um so what about your kind of like you sort of talked about um yeah the the link between creativity and sensuality and how you kind of perceive those different energies but I'm curious about your relationship with your own sexuality and your own yoni and and like whether that has been a bit of a healing journey that you've used art as a tool for or whether you you know in being asked to speak and and focus on this you actually kind of delved into your own um, work on that side of things or, you know, like what, what's been your experience of your sexuality, your body, your yoni? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Where to start? That's like just opening mm-hmm. up the, you know, the floodgates of so many layers of stories. But I think that it's been, you know, there's been such a range. Like I was definitely very disconnected, disembodied, very awkward, scared of my own body. I got my period very late. And mm-hmm. and I think I was just so uh, tight and constricted and sort mm-hmm. of resisting feeling in a way. And yeah. so I was terrified of all of it, really. Like I just kind of would feel like I was in a sweat just thinking about 
connecting mm-hmm. sexually with someone. And it was very, very stressful to me. And <laughs> where do I even go from there? I mean, a lot has changed. A lot has evolved. A lot has happened. But I've definitely had that experience. And I think that what started to shift it for me is that I actually, because everything felt so stunted, I desired to know my sexuality. You know, like I actually mm-hmm. wanted to, I wanted my period. You know, a lot of people, mm-hmm. they, they like resent their period. I, I like cherish my period, you know, cause I got it late. And then by the time it came, it felt like a, a prayer had been answered and it felt mm-hmm. like I could sort of begin that, that process of my sexual life. And in my early twenties, I had like a sexual awakening is the only way I can think to describe it. I started dancing and in one of these dance classes, you know, it wasn't like a training kind of dance thing. It was like African drummers are playing and we're at like, there's a fire going and like everyone's just going wild kind of dance. Mm -hmm. And I would go to these every week. And the woman who was leading it was just, she was like my, my spirit mother. You know, she birthed my sexual self. She birthed my primal self. And I had this sexual awakening where to suddenly, like I'd always felt the gush from above with my art and creativity. But now it was like my yoni had been activated. My womb had been activated. I was gushing from like all ends of the channel. You know, it was just so much. And for about two years, I felt like I was living in a perpetual orgasm. I'd be walking down the street. Yeah. No, this had nothing to do with another person. This, there was no other person. It was me and life. And I'd be walking down the street. And I remember this one time I could feel the wave of it sort of starting to come over me. And I remember leaning against the brick wall of this store and just letting this orgasm go through me. And it was, it was like profound. I, I, that went on for two years. So in those two years, I, I felt like I lived in an orgasm and it was, it was extraordinary. And, and then, you know, I started to get some attention <laughs> to me because I must have been emitting. <laughs> I must have been emitting some kind of like signal of sexuality. And I did attract different people and beautiful experiences came through that. But then there was, and I was very open. Like it's like I, I was so awkward before, but now I was just like, you know, kind of look at me from any angle, you know, like it was all awesome. Mm. And I ended up with this, this one man and there was one. So we got into a really beautiful sexual relationship that lasted for around five years. But there were little things that were happening that started to actually shut me down. I had this massive Mm -hmm. opening and then there was, you know, different things were happening. But one of the things that happened, which I think in some way really led to the Yoni art work that I do now, is he had put out a magazine and opened a page and like left it for me to see this article. And I like noticed the thing and I'm like, what is this? He goes, oh, I just think you should, you know, read that article. And I look at it and it was about plastic surgery for your labia. And I remember just being like so confused and so like I just didn't really understand what, why are you showing me this article? 
And now he never said it, but what I came to understand is that basically he was hinting like, why don't you go get plastic surgery on your labia? I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Awesome isn't it man. so awful? It is. It's, it's just like, and, cut off. <laughs> and so I, I don't even like, it took me so many years to even process what had happened. And, you know, years after that, and, and I was no longer with him, but it had really, it shut me down. You know, it had really shut me down. And I, where I had felt actually no shame at all. Like I, you know, yes, I was awkward in my body as a kid, but when it came to my sexuality, I, I wasn't awkward about being looked at. Like I liked showing my boobs. I liked, you know, like, you know, I'd open my legs. Like I, I was okay. I, my bum, whatever. Like I, I enjoyed that. And then suddenly it's almost like the same imprint that I had as a kid of just feeling like the disembodied, the disconnected, like it came now into the, my sexuality. And so, yeah, I really, I started to shut down after being so open. And I had, I was, you know, getting into my business and starting to do my thing, but still quite shut down at this point. Like, it's like I had gone through a wave of being shut down, open, shut down. And then I yeah. was getting into my business and kind of focusing more on the creative aspects and, you know, and, and having joy and pleasure. Absolutely. Like loving it. And I ended up going on this trip where I had to share a room with this other woman. And we were on this island in this kind of cabin. I was there for this retreat and I hadn't met her before, but I'd seen her online. So I knew who she was and, you know, we were going to be roommates and that's great. So I get to this little cabin and I was thinking before I went, I'm like, oh, I like to sleep in the nude. And, you know, I've never really like shared a room with someone as I've been an adult, you know, like what's this going to be like? And I brought pajamas just in case that was awkward. <laughs> but it, when I get to the place and she's already there and, you know, she opens the door to greet me and I'm like, hi, and she's, hi. And she goes, so, so how do you feel about nudity? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm okay with it. I said, you know, I, I actually sleep in the nude, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be a problem. She's like, no. And then she just takes all her clothes off. And I was like, wow, okay, th this is, this is really interesting. So she's now walking around totally comfortable. She has taken her clothes. She's, she, you know, was waiting to ask me how I felt so she could do this. And then I go to the, the bedroom and like, we have one bed that we're sharing, <laughs> her and I. And so I'm like, oh, this is just like, this is fascinating. But then she, I noticed she was like doing something on the computer. She's typing. And she's bending over and she's like not adjusting her body at all. You know, if you like bend over, you get some rolls just because you're like bending. Mm -hmm. So your stomach kind of crinkles up for, to adjust the, for the bending. Mm -hmm. Well, so yeah, she's like getting some rolls and her body didn't flinch at all mm -hmm. in adjustment to mm -hmm. that. And I just, I noticed it and I, I was like, wow, this, this woman, she's completely at ease in her body. Like she's totally comfortable with herself. And I, and I was just absolutely like, I, I just was in awe because I suddenly had felt like ashamed of my body and like, oh gosh, if someone sees me from the wrong angle, they're going to have a judgment mm -hmm. and oh my goodness. And they're going to give me this article about getting plastic surgery. What's going to happen? And, um, she, you know, I asked her about herself and I'm just like, you know, how did you, how, how are you like this? And, and she just started telling me about different things. And she said, oh, I, I created this thing about the yoni. I'm like, well, what's a yoni? <laughs> 
what is a yoni? And she's like, yoni is your, it's your vagina, your vulva, your labia, and it's your womb. It's your whole feminine sexual organs. And she's, you know, and then she's going into the spiritual aspect of it. And I just thought, I, I want to understand Yoni. <laughs> she, this woman knows about Yoni. I want to understand Yoni. Like, and it just opened up another door, like another kind of layer of awakening. But this one, not from just an innocence, but one from, you know, having experienced mm-hmm. things and then still choosing to open, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a different kind of opening when you open after something that is kind of traumatic in whatever way it is. Yeah. And, yeah. So, so there we go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's definitely oh, a totally different kettle of fish when you have had the shutdown and, and the sort of like contraction of, you know, having traumatic experiences, having criticism directed at your body from someone else, from yourself to then try to open back up and to become comfortable once that damage has been done is, yeah, it's a whole, I mean, yeah, it's not coming from just naivety or innocence and and inexperience. It's coming from like a decisiveness about the fact that you want to empower yourself um, to sort of free yourself from the, the shackles of insecurity and self-consciousness and being under, you know, someone else's gaze, like I would say the male gaze, but anyone, like we do really – um, I love that you brought up that you noticed that she didn't adjust herself and the way she moved mm-hmm. and bent over or whatever because that is massive. Like that's something that we all consciously or subconsciously learn to do to kind of, yeah, show our best side and and portray our bodies to other people in the way that we want them to be seen because we're so insecure and because we don't think that stomach roll is okay or, you know, it's just crazy like how long that took me and how much everyone does it. Like I love that, you know, Rosie Reese has this stop sucking it in movement around, you know, tummies and how we all suck it in. Like my ex's mum like taught him to – and and he's he's like a male, but she was always talking about how you've just like if there's one thing that you do, it is just keep your belly tensed and sucked in at all times. And she was teaching her kids that, and it's just one, it's terrible for your pelvic floor, um, and two, like there's just all these little ways that we have we feel like we have to adjust ourselves that are so unhelpful and so draining. Like it's such a preoccupation, you know, in in. <laughs> When I was first getting comfortable with being naked around people, the amount of little things that I would like, I would have to always be in a certain position, ideally like standing up. So, because as soon as you sit down, it's like, oh, well, then, you know, this is going to spread there and that roll is going to roll there. And maybe your flaps are going to be splayed open because you're sitting and you can't. So then you've got to place your hands in front of, so no one can actually just see straight up your clacker. And it's like, there's a million considerations because we're still trying to curate how someone sees us. And that's the only way we're feeling comfortable being naked. So it's not actually a full, complete comfort in nudity. It's, it's like conditional. And like, I Mm -hmm. would, you know, if I was intimate with someone, I would always kind of pinch my nipples before I entered the room so that they went erect and I didn't look like I had orangutan tits as I used to think of them when my nipples were soft. Dear Apple, we love it. Dear Apple, we love it.
Um, I used to like lie on my side in a way that made it look like I had cleavage because I have really small breasts and I was so self-conscious about it. And, um, and at the same time as trying to have cleavage and making sure I tuck one arm underneath to prop up the bottom boob and make the, make the kind of cleavage look bigger, I would also be sucking in my stomach because when you lie on your side, all of your <laughs> oh organs kind gosh. of flop down and you don't want to, you don't want anyone to see that. So you're kind of sucking that in. And then I was kind of like putting my leg, like, it's insane. It's so insane. It's a comedy skit. And that's like, it's like, it's- it's a total comedy skit. I mean, it's not when when yeah. it's being experienced, but if you you know, just as you were describing that, I could just imagine totally. it like a whole comedy skit. Totally, totally, and it's like I'm sure it's been done as well. Like in in terms of like you know stuff, more obvious stuff like the standing up straight, putting your shoulders back, sucking in your stomach and stuff. I've totally you know pushing up your boobs. I've seen that in movies and stuff. But like the the subtle things that I was just completely neurotic about that I was constantly managing and aware of meant that like the sort of experience that I'd have being naked around someone, especially during intimacy, was like I I was robbed of being able to be present and actually enjoy that Mm -hmm. because I was so terrified that they were going to notice that my boobs were tiny or like that, you know, my stomach was flopping and bulging. Like it just... It's just so unfair and it's such a it's such a scam, you know, because we're all just so distracted by our insecurities and trying to come off a certain way. And I don't yeah. know, maybe the other person's also doing it. And we're both just like totally in our heads, like thinking, oh my God, what are they looking at? What are they feeling when they touch me? What are they thinking? <laughs> um so yeah, it's it's cool to hear about people yeah. that are actually completely and you know, there was a few years where I would have said, Yep, I'm comfortable being naked now and that was a huge process for me, even around um partners. But, you know, to become comfortable being naked around um just people, like I went to a lot of uh nude festivals and things like this and, and became really comfortable with nudity. But like there was still years where I was technically comfortable with nudity but I was aware of these things and I was curating how my body looked and it's only you know the last few years where I've noticed that I've stopped noticing like I'll be naked and I'll just be sitting in whatever position or doing whatever activity and I won't be one aware of the other person looking at me and worrying about what they're seeing and two like actually curating what what position I'm in and what my body's doing and what angle they're able to see me at like I just don't even think about it anymore and that is actually true liberation (laughs) from Mm -hmm. yeah from the insecurities so cool that you mentioned that yeah and just another thing too that kind of came in around that with the idea of sort of a primal intelligence and and like a, a spiritual intelligence are we really can only access our primal intelligence when we're present. And so when we're doing all those things and all those adjustments, we are not really present. I mean, we can seem like we're present Mm -hmm. because we're noticing the moment we're we're adjusting ourselves, but we're not actually experiencing (laughs) ourselves. We're sort of from the disembodied perspective, analyzing ourselves through the eyes of another or through the judgment Mm -hmm. of something. And so we're Mm -hmm. not really in our body. So in those moments, we can't really have access to our sexuality, right? Yeah. And, and it's so interesting because when you look at what's happened in society where women are very objectified, and so just by that, there's a disembodiment. There's something that we're sort of like yeah. out of the 
the moment of our experience and we're sort of assessing it in a way rather than mm. experiencing it. Any mm. form of objectification, it, it does disembody. It's hard because it's, it's being, it's being seen from the outside rather than experienced from mm. yourself, experienced from your own self. So yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. And um, earlier you'd asked, you know, about sensuality and sexuality. I think that they're they're kind of different energies in a way. Like sexuality yeah. to me is that primal intelligence. Sensuality is the sensation which can reach the sexuality, right? Like when we get very present mm. in our body, we access that primal intelligence and it can awaken or arouse or activate our sexuality. But sensuality can exist with no sexuality at all. Like someone can be yeah. very, very sensual and, you know, and I think that that's almost a little bit more of my own comfort zone. Like I can mm. definitely, I love sensuality. I love the, the movement of sensuality and the textures and feeling things and, you know, being in nature and smelling things and feeling the heat mm. from the sun or whatever, like senses, like feeling mm. and, yeah, so I think that there there is a difference in that. Sensuality can certainly lead to sexuality. Mm. But I think sexuality is the point where it's fully tipped into the primal intelligence. And yeah. it's yeah. now the body is 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 sort of guiding. It has the intelligence like it's it's guiding with its mind, its its way of um being and so there's like a rewilding to reach the sexuality. Hey, babe towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around. It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. I also have an account on the fab new app Sunroom, which is a platform created by women for women and non-binary folk, and where there's no shadow banning or censorship of sex-positive content unlike with the other platforms that I'm on. So you can hit up my sunroom for extra content and real and raw life updates because I'll be sharing on there from now on all of the stuff that I can't post anywhere else. My vision for both of these is that they become really supportive, educational and hilarious resources for you to have more access to me and a safe space to ask questions that you can't ask anywhere else. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now back to the episode. The You were talking about the difference between sexuality and sensuality. Um yeah, I, I've, I've, that's come up on the podcast a bit lately. Actually, I just did an episode on, uh, asexuality and aromanticism where we talked about the difference between sexuality and sensuality. And it's such an interesting, uh, differentiation to make. And I think such an important one. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but I'd love to do the segment Get Pregnant and Die because it's time to slot that one in. And I'm wondering if you've got an anecdote or a story about your sex ed that you would feel comfortable sharing with us. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise? 
You know, I don't even remember sex ed in school. I don't remember any education on sexuality. And I'm wondering even if I missed something because I had shifted schools and, um, and when I shifted schools, you know, they, the new school was in a different place. And I honestly do not even remember any sex ed at all. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, don't know if I have a story about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just may not have had any at school. Like that's also totally a thing. Um, so right, I guess like where did it you learn? Like chats with your friends? Yeah. Did your parents talk to you? Like magazines? You know, where where'd you get your info? Yeah. Well, it is so fascinating, right? And I think this is why I've started doing so much. Well, it started like that's how I started because there, I didn't really have any, even mm-hmm. just a couple years ago, I told my parents when I actually got my period, which was decades earlier. And mm-hmm. it was like, it just was not a thing. And so I've had to seek out things and find places to learn and you know, my own experience. So it's something that like I am in my own sexuality, there's been such a range of experience from total kind of disembodiment, numbness, disassociation, disconnection to full on, like being in multiple orgasms to, you know, like living in that for a couple years and then also having another shutdown and then opening again through different kinds of intimacy. So there's such a range of experience. And I, I've learned from people in different ways. And then I also, I am a certified Tantra coach. So I worked with, you know, I went deep oh, into that training yeah. and learning and, and, you know, so there, there's that. And that really came out of this longing to feel like there was someone who could guide me. And then I also got certified doing vaginal fashion massage. I worked with Tammy Lynn Kent. Mm. And, you know, so I've gone so many paths to learn. But in my childhood and in the beginning, there was not, it just wasn't there. And and so I think that's part of why I was shut down because it's literally like it was just like non-existent. Of course, things were rising in me and I was feeling things and starting to notice things. But But it was, it almost just felt like, an isolated experience because it was not discussed. And I also have an older sister. We never talked about it. I don't know when she got her period. She still to this day has no idea when I got mine. So it's very, it's just very interesting. And yeah, so I don't even have a story on the sex ed thing, you know, which is itself. Yeah, exactly. And it's so sad that that's, you know, that just, is such a missed opportunity for connection and for sharing this experience, like, you know, having a sister and talking about that sort of thing. And and thinking back, like I have a younger sister, she's five years younger. So there's a bit of an age gap. Like I definitely, um, I'd probably moved out of home by the time she was getting her first period. But yeah, I don't remember speaking to her about it at all. Or, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't the person that she came to to talk to about it as far as I know and I also like hid my period from my mom and never talked to her about it when I first got it and yeah isn't it just such a shame and such a yeah a lost opportunity to bond and to learn and to just have this kind of sisterhood oh god well that's why I've I've gone the path I've gone because it I really there's like a primal 
need to connect with our own sexuality, right? Like it, it, you can't avoid it. You can't deny it. I mean, you can try to avoid it. You can try to pretend it doesn't exist. You can, you know, sort of keep it quiet, but it's there. And so in that primal need and it, just as the, the base of our physical being, really, eventually, I think everyone in some way gets called to learn about it, whether it's through something that happened in their school system or with a friend, or they start seeking out different workshops or books, mm. or some people go the route of like porn and kind of just their sort of what's easy access to fulfill a need. And, but the, that primal pull to discover our sexuality is in everyone, I think. And I think we all will find a way. So whether it goes in a certain path, it will find a way to get into your life because it's like, it's your life force. It's your, your energy. It's your, yeah. you know, your primal being. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that can be really beautiful and lots of growth and expansion and learning or it can be in a really dysfunctional way because it is such an integral part of being human and like you said it's life force energy it's this you know this primal thing within all of us or most of us and it's going to come out one way or another and that can look really toxic and really um you know imbalanced as well if someone hasn't found kind of positive or healthy or helpful avenues to learn about it and maybe they've only seen you know really extreme porn or had quite um you know not very not very nice sexual experiences and that might be their only scope of reference and so yeah or you know I hear a lot from people with really uh, very religious upbringings, how, how you know, repressed and suppressed it's all always been. And then it, it finds these other ways to come out that are not healthy. And it's, yeah, something that doesn't want to be denied. So pretty cool that you found these paths. And so did I, like, found these paths to learn about it in ways that were empowering and did actually set us mm -hmm. on a track of growth and, you know, quite a positive path, right. really. And I'm wondering, like, what so you've created this it's making more sense now because I actually didn't know that you're a tantric practitioner or that you'd done yoni uh facial 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 <laughs> um <laughs> massage but when you interviewed me for yoni art fest and we're kind of talking about yoni mapping and things like that just the things you were saying I was like oh she's like really done her research or like she kind of knows she kind of knows what's up and now it's making sense because you've also done a similar form of massage <laughs> um and then it also makes sense that you've created this yoni personality type quiz or framework and I haven't um dug too deeply into that. I was just going to ask you about it, but what's the go with your Yoni quiz? So I think it's to acknowledge the different, sometimes phases of life that we're in and also just different ways of approaching sexuality, right? Because if we just look out to the media or sort of mainstream education on sex, from what I can see and understand of it, it may not give the full space for someone to just be what they are. And so in the Yoni personality quiz, it helps people to kind of see how they're relating with their sexuality, 
right? Because some people, it's like, I call it the flower bud, you know, it's just, it's starting to open, they're starting to notice, they're, you know, just the feeling the sensations, uh, maybe having their, their first relationship, even if they're in their fifties, but their first relationship where it's their sexuality is actually attracted mm. or they're, they're opening something in themselves. And that, that's a whole, it's like a, a yoni personality type to have that kind of like awakening experience. And then there's, there's also when we use our sexual energy for creativity or to create an entrepreneurial venture. So like that sexual energy isn't for, love making with a partner, but more for, you know, building a, a marketing funnel or making money or, you know, doing something like a creation project. And sometimes that's how we use that sexual energy. And then there's other times where it's like, let's harmonize, you know, soul in our body and, you know, like that kind of heartgasm of just like feeling like your soul is in your body and you're sexual and you're erotic and you're expressing and you're like, you know, you're just like in that, that juice that's a yoni personality type, right? And then there's also the shame, right? Like I think of Eve, right? The one who's the innocent, but also kind of holds the burden of so much shame. And, you know, even though underneath it, there's an innocence, but shame just kind of like moving through everything. And I think that's an aspect of how we can relate with our yoni, with our sexuality, and so, you know, there's different personality types or different ways that we can be expressing our sexuality, relating with our sexuality. So the quiz is a way to just start to see that. And I've done it, like I created it, right? Um, but I've also done it at different years in my life. And I pretty much always get the same one, but every once in a while, it kind of fluctuates <laughs> um, between, you know, different different aspects. So it's just fascinating. It's just a way of getting to know ourselves. Wow. So how many yoni types are there and how did you come up with this? Yeah. So there's five types and there's surely more, but there's five to, to open the, you know, that kind of the connection to open the connection. And these types came through over really decades of, studying and experiencing, being in my own experience, witnessing people, working with people. So in that exploration and, and sort of study, I started to notice, I'm like, okay, there's, there's a type where it's like, there's a lot of body issue stuff going on, right? Like there's a lot of just like the discomfort with the body or that something around the body is blanketing the sexual experience, Right. Like, so, um, someone might feel like there could be an eating issue or a weight issue or a health issue or just shame or feeling like they don't, they can't handle judgment. And, you know, there's so many things around that. And so that's like a type. And then there's like other types where it's like, it's just so much about pleasure and the sensuality and, you know, like embody more pleasure, find the nuance to stretch into new spaces of pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. And it's like, like that, that's, that's a, a place to, you know, that that's a type. So I was just starting to notice really these different types, but also what is the gift of that experience? And what is the, the challenge or the opportunity within that experience? Because each one can be a gateway to deepen 
into yourself and your power and your, you know, who you, you really want to be on a, a deep soul level and a primal level. So I was start just starting to study the, the opportunities within each of the types where the growth and evolution can be. And because then when we can see that, it's like we can identify our primal instinct, our primal call. It's like, cause we're, our primal instinct is, it's like, it's where, where our life force energy is. And then there's also like that soul aspect of like, well, what is your, your soul's evolution? What is your desire? Where are you wanting to grow? Who are you wanting to become? And it's just, it's a way to start to, to see that and spot it. So you can then work with it, right? And develop the thing that you already are in sync with that you are wanting and you're desiring to develop. It's like where you are, but it's also then your, your growth evolution opportunity as well. Right. So if you were, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. If you were like a type that um, really struggled with shame and uh, maybe body image stuff, could you then heal that and transition into being a different, having a different Yoni personality type? Not necessarily because each one of them has a beauty and a challenge, right? So someone who might be working with shame, let's say, or a body issue, really the opportunity is a restoration of innocence and a liberation of your true self. So that's still the same type, right? The one who who is in sync with their innocence and like feels an honor with their innocence and a liberation with their natural self, their original true self. They're still that same type, right? Shame is kind of like the, one of the ways that we, that's the challenge part of that type. You know, when we think of Eve, you know, it's like the original innocence and it's like, what's our original innocence, right? And yet then shame can be the thing that, that kind of challenges that. And so when we, if we are dealing with shame, it's like, in some ways it can be a call to restore our innocence, restore our honor of our naturalness, and then cultivating how can, how do, can we be with that? How can we restore our own garden of Eden within ourselves? And, and so it would still be the same type. But when I've had, you know, over the years and I do the quiz myself and there's one type that I, I tend to be most of the time. And then, but there's every once in a while where I sort of fluctuate and it's just like all of us. It's so, it's like saying, you know, what's your favorite color? It might be blue for a couple of years. And then suddenly it's like, well, actually maybe purple or maybe, maybe it's yellow now. And so just depending on what's going on, you can shift, but it's, it's not like you have to get over something and then you're evolving through the, you know, becoming someone different. It's that you're gaining the full capacity of that, that opportunity. You're becoming that more and more and more. And so I know I work with one of the types for probably most of my life. I'll probably work with it because there's just endless opportunities within all of them. Yeah. Which type are you? <laughs> well, it's, uh, hmm. <laughs> just kind of holding it. Cause it's sort of, um, just kind of holding it, you know, and I think that that's, that's with it. It's like, it's something for the person, not necessarily, you know, of course you can share if you want, but 
I think I'm all of them. But as I was saying, the one that I guess I am the most is one who utilizes the sexual energy to create things. That's the one I think that my life path, like I use, I work with sexual energy. I work with primal energy and higher self energy to create. And so that's, that's something that probably will be with me my whole life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've, I've played with them all. Mm-hmm. I've played with them all. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense as an artist. Um, and it does, I like <clears throat> to sort of think of, I suppose it's similar with, you know, erotic blueprints or love languages or these, these sorts of things. Like we're never, it's never just completely one and not the others. And, um, yeah. you know, I feel like we have a little dollop of each in different ratios and it fluctuates and maybe at different points in our life or our journey will be more, you know, one than another, but I, I quite like, um, I was a little bit like, mm, I don't know. I'm skeptical. I'm not sure about this. But then when you're like, you know, you, you can kind of like have multiple elements of each and fluctuate. I'm like, okay, cool. That's, that's more aligned with like my, um, perspective on sexuality and especially like feminine sexuality, how fluid it can be and how we can really kind of evolve and change and fluctuate. Cause yeah, I feel as though, whenever I do these sorts of quizzes or tests, I'm like, I can pretty much relate. There's usually one or two that I'm more resonant with, but I can usually relate to elements of every category um, and, you know, get get insights or gifts from that. So, yeah, cool. All right. So um, something, this is like a bit of a, uh, this is more for my own curiosity and I've asked one or two other people on the podcast this before because I got asked this and like a couple of years ago and I'm still kind of tussling with it and I like to talk to other people in similar industries to get their perspective and I'm curious to you know hear what you think about using the term yoni um because obviously like it's in um a lot of your branding yoni art fest in 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 the modality I practice it's called um yoni mapping therapy that's like what it's you know that's trademark or whatever it is it's like that's the name of it and that's what I have to call it And I never thought much of it in the first few years. And then someone was like, so isn't that cultural appropriation? Like, what do you think about, you know, you being like a little white girl using this term and adopting these sort of like, you know, tantric influences in in the work and stuff. And it's such a complex and layered topic, but I just had the urge to ask you because obviously Yoni features quite heavily in a lot of your work um, and you've got Yoni Art Fest coming up and I'm wondering if you've ever been asked this question, do you get any backlash, do you have any thoughts on this? Excuse the interruption, my loves, but I'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five-star ratings for the potty because, as I'm sure you've noticed by now, it's pretty fab and the more people who get to hear it, the more people it can help. Reviews and ratings help me curry favor with the algorithmic gods and get suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel really good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. And I promise I don't maz over them or anything. I mostly just tuck them away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed, which is 
fairly frequently. (laughs) So you see, leaving a review really does make a difference and it's an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Choose your poison, or if you're a real overachiever, you could do both. Whoa now. If you are writing a review, though, just be sure to only use G-rated words, because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality, words like sex can be censored and your review won't actually show up. Lame. Anyway, oh, oh, what was that? Oh, you're going to go do it right now while I wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. May as well just quickly click that five-star button before we get on with it and, you know, like forget about it and get on with your day. Um, um, oh, I'm hearing them roll in. I'm hearing those five stars. <laughs> oh my God, I make myself cringe. Anyway, uh, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem and I'll let you get back to the episode now. Yeah, definitely. And I've thought a lot about it. I considered, is this the right word given all those things? And so, you know, I think that there's, there's definitely a good argument on the side of, you know, respecting cultures and, you know, obviously not taking from cultures in a way that exploits it. And, you know, I think that those are all really beautiful, um, empowering things to, to talk about and, you know, and to kind of figure mm-hmm. out where we stand in it, right? Like it's an important thing. And then there's also, yeah, like where does it land? So in my own experience, so I am a certified Tantra coach. And in that certification process, Yoni is the word that yeah. is used in that. So, so kind of went through a whole training within that context of working with that word. So that word, I feel initiated with that word in a a really beautiful training and and practice that I was in. Mm -hmm. And then also, I think that there's things that they do become integrated into society and like things like yoga, right? Like yoga is also a word that comes from somewhere else. In some ways, everything comes from somewhere else, (laughs) right? If we really want to think about it. And so, yeah, I think that it's something to, to be with and kind of find where, where we all land in it. And I'm okay with it. And I actually have, I've interviewed people and I've asked them, I'm like, can you teach me or educate me on, you know, cultural appropriation and understanding, like, where's the line? What's, what's okay, yeah. you know, and, and doing that research and, and then coming to my own, just kind of like, well, like what, <laughs> what feels okay. And it feels okay. Mm. Cool. Beautiful answer. So that's it's where so I am in it. And I'm sure people that. have so many opinions, you know, and I'll just, yeah. I'm sure there's so many opinions. And I think one of the things that, um, yeah, it, it's such a big topic and it's a political topic right now. And so it's kind of like a little bit of walking on eggshells to make sure that it's not going to disrupt like something. And, and I respect that and I understand that. And at the same time, yeah, I feel like it's a word that has become integrated and, and it's a beautiful word. And in things like yeah. Yoni Art Fest, when we do that, and in the work that I do, 
we put a little, like we put a thing on of like, you know, this is a, a Sanskrit word and, you know, all these kinds of things. And, mm. and so it's acknowledging where it comes from. And, and I don't see that necessarily when you go to a yoga studio or <laughs> whatever. So, um, yeah, it's, we all have to find where the line is and as a culture kind of figure out what we're okay with, what we're not okay with and, mm. you know, keep evolving that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finding sacred ways of, of honoring things. So yeah. if something is done in a respectful way and, the origin of where the word comes from is acknowledged. Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely a bit of a, bit of an eggshell situation, isn't it? Especially since sort of cancel culture and, and this rise in, yeah, PC culture and policing. And it's, it's a really tough one because I feel similarly to you, like also just like, well, you know, I do have training behind me, came from that tantric background where they use that word. And it is also the best word for what we're trying. Like what, what better word? There isn't really a word that encompasses that entire, you know, feminine reproductive area of the womb and the labia, the vulva, the, you know, the vagina, all of it, and also carries with it such reverence and like positive, respectful connotations. Like we don't have a word like that that we can use. Um, and so it's really tough because I, I, I feel like I'm just so like nervous about offending someone or, you know, and that's like also I just need to get over that a little bit. Um, I think once you start like becoming some it's not like I'm a public figure but you know I have a podcast a few people follow my Instagram account people like look at my content you start seeing everything you say through this lens of like oh my god who's going to be seeing who's going to be seeing this who's going to potentially be offended or attack me for this you know so it is yeah it's something and I also just want to always be aware and improving on this you know and I think you brought up a great point there and I think that when something becomes about a fear of being attacked. <laughs> like just think about that. Yeah. A, it's a fear of being attacked for like just even that yeah. something about that is really screwed up. Yeah. I, I just think it's great energy really to be trying to create, create from at all. Um, but, you know, also it's like it's a fear of being attacked, but, but it's also a fear of hurting someone or offending or doing doing the wrong thing without realizing because totally. of my own ignorance. Like that that makes totally. me really nervous. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever want to do that. But at the same time, like I'm always saying, I'm just real and raw human. I'm not perfect. I don't know what I don't know. And so if they're, you know, I'm always encouraging anyone, if they hear something that doesn't sit well with them or that they have intel on that I don't based on my like limited experience, um, of like mm-hmm. certain cultures or whatever, then like, tell me, fucking tell me, I'd love to learn. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to hear you articulate a pretty similar thing. Like, you know, it is such an integrated, like everyone's using these words in the West now and not saying that's right or wrong, but it, it shouldn't be as harmful as some people make it out to be. You know, there's lots of words that we use that are from other languages that no one bats an eyelid about. And it's like, well, where is the line? Like what makes, what makes it okay and not okay? Um, so it's interesting because, yeah, it is, oh, it is very layered and I could go on about that. But, um, 
but yeah anyway thank you for sharing that that's pretty like hard-hitting question to <laughs> drop on you. It is. Well, I think that it brings up one of the Yoni personality types, <laughs> which would be the ah. Eve type, okay? Because in that type, it's like there's an innocence underneath. There's a naturalness. And then like shame kind of gets stacked on top. Mm. And again, I'm not dismissing all the issues of uh, cultural appropriation that goes on and things that really can be just so harmful. And then- at the same time, it's like we want to it, – it's interesting with the word yoni and it being like a feminine word. It's like women, we have been really cloaked with so much shame in so many ways. And I just almost feel in, in all that a little bit more of the same of that kind of feeling where it's just like <laughs> – uh, yeah, you know – Years ago, I'll just share, there was an experience that happened years ago. So I, I, I did a lot of research on all of this because I had posted a picture of myself wearing white and my menstrual blood was coming through the white and my legs were open to like, so you could see this. And I had the blood, my menstrual blood was on my face as well, like kind of streaked using my fingers to kind of streak yeah. it. Love it. <laughs> and I, it was for International Women's Day. And I posted it and it became an absolute bomb. Not to, like, I, I didn't even really, like, I didn't think it was a big deal. But it became an absolute bomb to the point of, hate groups were formed on Facebook. Facebook had to step in and start to delete various things. It was really aggressive and really, Whoa. really aggressive. And so I started doing research, like what has happened? What is the issue? What is the problem? And everyone seemed to have different reasons why they thought this was upsetting. And what it, to me, I thought, wow, is it the blood? It's my blood. What? What's the, you know, and that wasn't even the issue. It was that the word, well, some people thought it was very racist. So you can take that in and, and imagine why, because I actually still hmm. to this day don't know. Some people thought it was very racist because I guess I had the blood on my face that some people interpreted as African or native. Oh. And other people thought that the use of the word yoni was um, horrible. And so having gone through that and literally being attacked, I did the research and came to a place where I was like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with it. There's an innocence. There's a beauty. The intention with it is good. The backing to the training is Care, you know, like consideration has been done. There's nothing wrong with it. Now, some people may disagree and that's totally okay. But as the one who's choosing to use the word or choosing to put myself out with that body of work, I feel there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I'm okay with it. And, you know, after the, that situation had happened, 
And I, you know, did, you know, hired people to educate me because I was like, oh my God, what did I do? I must be a terrible person. Uh, you know, just shut me down, put me under a rock. I should never, uh, I should never breathe again. And then I'm getting this various education. And, you know, it was actually, I had hired um, different people of color to, to work with me and to help me to see. They said to me, <laughs> you did nothing wrong. Yeah. You did nothing wrong. It took a number of years to just sort of allow myself to be okay with there's, it was, there's nothing. It's so beautiful. And what, what's interesting in a question you had asked earlier, you know, what kind of sex education did I have? And in, in school, there was like none. I mean, I got tons of education after from my own effort, my own interest. Absolutely. But there was really none. And then here's a picture of a woman. If you just see it, it it's a, a, yes, I'm a white person, but people don't know my background, right? Like, like I might look a certain way, but it doesn't mean I don't yeah. have a, you know, a, a family that has different like totally. people of color. I mean, nobody knows that. That could be true, right? Like nobody knows. Anyway, so it's a white person and I'm wearing all white and there's blood. And what is so interesting to me is that I think that that is where people can't handle that. They can't handle a woman <laughs> because People were trying to like look for something to be upset about with it. Yeah. Trying to target yeah. me, trying to make it like I, I've done something wrong. Yeah. And, you know, so after that, and so it's interesting to hear your question. And I feel almost like a bit of a fire in me. I feel like one of the Yoni personality types is like force of nature, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where it's like, I, I'm not going to be fucked with anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, that's where in that, that part where when we take on shame, it just, so what, to flatten ourselves for, for what purpose? To, to what end? For, for what? For who? And, and I think as women, it's like, we're kind of like, we're so quick. And I know I've been so quick to assume the guilt, to assume the shame. Someone's upset must be my fault. How can I adjust myself for you? But then I, you know, now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I feel I can feel. I don't need your feelings to tell me how to feel. I can feel. There's nothing wrong with this. So, so yeah. So I feel like there's valid conversation in that and we all can come to our own place. And then we also have to like stand up for ourselves as well. When we have an experience, someone else might look and cause a judgment on me because of the way I look, but they don't know anything about the background. Right. And we had spoken before even, and you didn't know I had all the training and you didn't know, right. People don't know what someone's experience mm. is. And so, mm. you know, equal research on both sides. If somebody wants to make a statement, do the research on what you're making a statement on. <laughs> right. Yeah, And that's and, where it's like so lacking in these like internet mobbings. Like these are not people totally. that are like necessarily well informed or doing the research. They're jumping on a bandwagon and, and they're attacking because totally usually totally. fear and judgment. Like I think that like what came to mind is like people see that photo of you. And they're like, oh, my God, a woman who's actually, like, comfortable with her menstrual blood and comfortable to post about this and is actually, like, unashamedly, like, talking about periods and, and womanhood. Like, 
people would be triggered by that and confronted by that. Like, you know, that's that's my like immediate thought is like that would be this thing that like, you know, makes them feel a bit and then they would have just been looking for anything to attack you about and then it just snowballs and it's absolutely fucked. Like I've spoken about this whole cancel culture and, and internet mobs and all of the uh, PC culture, all of it on this podcast, like a fair bit. So it is definitely something that I, um, yeah, I feel strongly about and think about a fair bit. But I love what you have kind of shared around just rather than, you know, being really quick to be like, fuck, I must have fucked up. I'm like a white woman who, you know, like I must have fucked up um, to actually being like, nah, you know what, like fuck you guys. Like I am doing my best and I'm also like if I'm expending – a lot of my energy being afraid being worried being really 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 cautious and like putting all this energy and thought into like making sure that I'm not doing the wrong thing or offending people like of course you want to do a bit of that that's just like courtesy and being a good human and a practitioner but like I feel like sometimes too much of my energy goes towards that and then that detracts from my creativity and my like ability to actually like put stuff out in the world that's going to be helpful and inspiring and empowering for people. And so like, it's really cool that you've come to this place and it sounds like it took a fair bit of research and a fair bit of, you know, grappling with this issue and learning to be like, you know what? No, like I'm comfortable with where I'm at and I feel, you know, in my integrity. And so everyone else can just like fuck right off with their opinions and their judgments and their assumptions. Um, And I feel like I'm getting more and more, to that place because it's such a waste of energy to yeah to be so worried about other people's opinions and yeah it's just it's just detracting from like the work that I can do in the world and the people that I can help because the people that are going to be attacking that sort of stuff online because I've gotten that kind of thing too you know those aren't my people they're not the people that I'm going to be able to help with my work anyway they're just trying to tear it down um so yeah, super interesting. I'm glad I asked you were the perfect person to ask. This is probably the best, best answer and conversation I've gotten out of that question so far. <laughs> I think everyone kind of tiptoes around because there is such a threat to yeah. being attacked, to being canceled, to being, you know, just bullied, shamed, whatever, all those things. Mm-hmm. And believe me, it's not fun. nobody wants that. You don't want it. It's not fun. It's like, you know, and I actually, I did go quiet for a while because I was Mm. like, is it even worth it? You know, like who cares? Like, let me just do my thing in private because what's Mm -hmm. the point? But then I thought, you know what? No, (laughs) no, (laughs) like just no, no, someone, someone else's wound going to, shut down my life. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I, I almost, you know, I can almost feel the little, the little echoes of the trauma kind of even in this, like, I'm not sure probably what's going to come out of that, but. um, Hey, me again. If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote tea togs yep you heard that right i even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back so uh if fashion isn't your passion though you can donate to my buy me a coffee donation page which is actually called buy me a soy chai latte because 
I'll be the first to admit, I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. (laughs) You can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned. And I also offer one-on-one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy. Um, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Thank you. Later. All right. Well, do you want to wrap up by just telling us a little bit about Yoni Art Fest because that's coming up and I'm really stoked to be part of it and, yeah, just get a little bit of info around what that's all about. Totally, totally. So um, Yoni Art Fest, yes, yeah, coming up June 5th to 9th. And this is it's basically a gathering of women of many different backgrounds from all over the world and different sort of cultural influences and so on, and speaking about their empowered womanhood and exploring that. So the whole theme of this is to explore, express, and embody our empowered womanhood. And so within that, there's interviews. Freya, you're one of the people who's speaking in Yoni Art Fest, interviews with people. And then there's different rituals and practices to connect with your primal root, your empowered womanhood, uh, healing practices, things like that. And then we also do a global art piece. So in the past, like thousands of people participate in Yoni Art Fest. And when we, we did some things before where we're getting people to like, you know, connect with their Yoni and create sketches and so on. And then we made a giant art piece that includes like hundreds of these sketches of women from all over the world expressing their Yoni. So when we do Yoni Art Fest, there's, there's interviews. There's different kind of ritual and creative things to explore. And then there is like this global art piece aspect that uh, that's my favorite part in a way in this. I love all of it. Like oh, all cool. of it contributes to that, like the interviews, the rituals. It's like getting the the wheels turning, getting like, you know, Yoni juiced up and healing and like all the things so that we we express, right? We express and we embody. And then in that, there's a global art piece that kind of represents that experience of, of all these people gathering and, and they're kind of where, where they are with their yoni, where they are with their sexuality. So, so it's a beautiful gathering. It is online. So people can be anywhere and yeah, it's coming up. I'm super excited. Oh, love it. And that, that global art piece I saw last year's and it's, yeah, it's a pretty phenomenal idea. I love, love that you've put this together and it's so nice to be part of it. So I think when this episode airs, it'll be like smack bang around that time that Yoni Art Fest is on. So that works out well. Um, gorgeous. And yeah, highly recommend everyone going and checking out Laura's Instagram, just like the colors and the art and the, yeah, the variety, like it's all so stunning and so embodied and yeah, just so super worth having a look at and following. So thank you so much, Laura. Is there anything else that you felt like you wanted to share just to kind of conclude or do you feel pretty, pretty complete? I think that just giving ourselves the space as women to be a whole being, 
to have a whole self, a whole experience of ourselves, not just having to be one way. And maybe that was the skepticism with the quiz, you know, this idea of like, oh, well, now you're just in this box or something. <laughs> you know, all the things, you know, whether it's with the quiz or any Yoni Art Fest or any of the things that I do, they're doorways to discover and deepen the intimacy to your whole self and, and who you're here to be in that capacity. So I think anything that calls us into that wholeness where we have the safety to be what we are and, you know, it, like that, that's sexually empowering. Right. And, and so, yeah, I feel like, and it's scary. It's scary. This is not, it's not normal. Like that's not nor that's not the normal way for women. Women usually do have to sit in a certain box so that it's appealing to someone else or that it's okay for someone else or no one's going to be upset. And, you know, it's like as if the woman's responsible for everyone else's experience and to be blamed for everybody else's experience. And, and that, that just robs our sexuality. Because it takes what is ours and makes it as if it's for everybody else. But it isn't. Totally. It isn't. It's, it's for your primal life force. It's your root. It's your support system. And so, you know, it's like kind of bringing that back from everybody else's opinion, everybody else's need for someone to be a certain way or whatever. It's like, and like just sit in our root, be what we are. Right? Doesn't mean we can't learn and can't grow and we're gonna be stubborn and or whatever. No, it's like we gotta have a foundation. We have to have our own support system. So it's like bringing it back to ourselves, getting to know ourselves. What is real? What is true? Who are we really? What is our own innocence? What is natural? And in that, I believe that is beauty and that is goodness. Right? And as soon as innocence gets blamed for something, it's like, wait a second, wait a second. So so yeah, so allowing space for the wholeness of a woman in all of the aspects, when she's numb, when she's shut down, when she's ecstatic, when she's silly and giddy and she's like frolicking to when she's like raging, like there's space for all of it. And we can, we can get to know ourselves. We can get to know our own rhythm of like what, what our needs are. How can we honor ourselves? What, what, what is our path? What is our truth? Right? So all of that is our sexuality. Fuck yeah. Killed it. Love it. Thank you. I love the way your brain works and how you articulate these things. Um, I'm going to put the link to Yoni Art Fest and the link to do the Yoni personality quiz in the show notes, um, as well as Laura's website, Instagram. Go check it out. Thank you so much for your time, Laura. It's so lovely having you. And that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT, and I seriously hope you're following me on there. 
because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.